0: Welcome to Stellar Discussions, a podcast by Public Node members. Public Node is a nonprofit organization led by Stellar community members working together to support the open and inclusive Stellar network. I'm Brian Goldberg, known as Gold on T-Base. And I'm Daniel Fisher, also known as MagoFox.
1: So today we're going to talk about payments, particularly payments on the Stellar and talk about what Stellar can do and talk about why it attracted me and Brian's got some companies that we're going to talk about, including a, a company that Brian is starting to run. So the first thing actually I want to start off was, and just a question I actually didn't have an answer to, but there's one I did a little research on, which is, so Stellar is fast. We all know it's fast. It's three to five seconds is what a payment closes. And I had a question was, well what is fast enough? How fast does it have to be? And there's a lot of different technologies out there, some that are not designed for payments, and they're a lot slower. And there's a few out there that I've heard that are even faster. And my question was, well, how fast does a payment protocol really need to be to be effective? I did a little research on that, and actually I I looked into Visa. And I figured, well, how fast is Visa and how fast are their transactions? I seem to remember not that long ago, is when they switched over from the swipe on their Visa cards and they moved over to the chips. And I remember sitting in the grocery store when they first moved over to that technology. I remember waiting and waiting for my payment to actually clear. And I remember the cashier was waiting as well. And it was a lot slower than it used to be. I can't even remember how fast that was. And maybe Brian, you you remember how fast that was uh, or how long that took. But it felt like it took too long. It could have been 10 seconds, 15 seconds. you have any remember on that, Brian?
0: Yeah, I think it was in the neighborhood of, of 10 seconds. And maybe part of the reason it felt like it took so long was relative to the speed you were used to. So when you ask how fast is fast enough, I think you need to think about how fast is fast enough for this set of years, right? Because people probably get used to a faster and faster speed. And so, you know, Visa said we got to make this better it was really annoying people that they had a chip it was a new tech you imagine a new technology that's slower than an old technology people were not happy about it so what did they do you know, they actually ended up fixing it. They put out a software upgrade and they encouraged
1: all of their merchants to adopt this upgrade and adapt it on their side. And they were able to make it so it was about two-second transactions. And that happened about, I think, 2016 is when when they made that announcement. But the, the curious thing about it that I read is it actually didn't get approved in two seconds. It was actually just enough to prepare the payment transaction And then it would be approved after that two seconds so with seller clearing and three to five that's actually getting approved and the balance is actually transferred in that three to five made me think well maybe stellar's fast enough
0: yeah i mean i mean it was it was i remember it was very suspicious how fast visa upgraded their network all they're doing is sending a message to the other bank saying hey we got this money over here. They're doing that in, in two seconds. And even the approval, which comes later, I don't know how long that takes, but it comes later, that still isn't. That's just saying, hey, we're a bank and we absolutely have the money. That's not actually sending the asset. So the nice thing about blockchain and payment protocols like Stellar is there's no need for a message unless you're fulfilling a regulatory need you just send the actual money, the actual asset. And with Stellar, it takes three to five seconds. There's no need to to approve it and say, we absolutely have it. You just send it. You know, I don't think anything happens
1: that fast in a grocery store. Even I was buying a stick of gum, like, but yeah, it's definitely, it's something that I hear a lot of other technologies talk about. And there's some out there that claim to be faster. And it was just something I've always asked myself is, does it really need to be any faster than three to five seconds?
0: I don't think so, but I think it needs to be faster than 10. So it's somewhere in that mix right there. So 10, 10 seconds seems like a long time for a payment, but that's at the store. You know, when you're trying to send money across a country or across the world, that's an even even bigger problem that Stellar is trying to tackle. Let's jump off that. So what got
1: me into Stellar is... Something when I found Stellar, I actually found it after I'd kind of run into some problems with payments before Stellar started, before blockchain actually took hold. Let's talk about one in particular was a website that I was developing and I paid or I wanted to pay a developer who lived down in Panama. I lived in the United States. I had one of the biggest banks in the world as my bank and I took for granted how hard it is to pay somebody in a different country. And, you know, her name was Elsa. You know, we, we agreed to what she was going to do for our website and develop for it. And I was going to pay her. And I remember saying, well, do you accept PayPal? And she said, well, we don't have PayPal here. And this was even before like Venmo, none of that. Maybe they have PayPal now. I, I don't know. But at that time, I wanted to pay her. And I was thinking, well, well, how do I pay you? And actually, it was a thing. Luckily, she had been working with a lot of people in the U.S. before. And so she knew a pathway to do it. But she had to find a bank that talked to my bank and then i wired her the money and it worked fine but one the wire was expensive two it was slow three it was during carnival they were celebrating and all the banks were closed that slowed down the transaction for days as they were celebrating that and and then on top of it she had to find a bank that talked to my bank which wasn't given which I thought was also kind of interesting given that my bank was one of the biggest. It was Chase, JP Morgan Chase, the biggest in the world. And, and it wasn't given that my bank could talk to her bank. So if you just think about how far away we are, I mean, that's someone in the United States with one of the biggest banks trying to pay somebody just South, Panama, they accept the US dollar. She was banked. She was doing business in the United States and that was already difficult. So imagine now trying to move to another country where there's an exchange Maybe someone doesn't have a bank, or the two parties, neither are a bank, or the bank that they have aren't as well known as, as JPMorgan Chase. It,
0: mu- it must be incredibly hard and more common in countries much smaller than the US, because your, your cousin 100 miles away might be in another country, right? We're so used to this enormous country where everyone we know is in the country. And this problem hasn't gone away. About a year ago, I lived in Iceland, and I was trying to send money home. This is kind of ridiculous, but to myself to my U.S. bank account to pay my bills. And I used something called TransferNow and it it worked and it was fairly cheap, but sometimes it failed and I had to call the Icelandic bank and then talk to someone at customer service for 20 minutes. And then sometimes it said, hey, we're not accepting your debit card. So, you know, every two weeks I had to cross my fingers. One time it didn't go through and my mortgage payment failed. So every single time it was just crossing your fingers and, and hoping this works, this magic works, and really not knowing what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, during that time, I was kind of getting frustrated and, and learning more about blockchain. And I read something super interesting It said that if you're going to send a large amount of money, let's say a million dollars from one country to another, maybe a hundred thousand dollars, a more reasonable amount. So Western Union, in that case, is going to charge you a few hundred bucks and it's going to take three to five days. It would actually be cheaper to cash that hundred thousand dollars out to all cash, put it in a suitcase and fly yourself to the other country than to do it electronically, which just kinda shows how outdated the payment system is. Actually, it's funny you should mention Western Union. So you know I said I had two stories. My second story actually
1: is has to relate to Western Union. So I'll, I'll tell it really quickly. It's, it's more of just funny, but it, it just goes along with, with what you were saying. So my wife was in the Gambia and visiting a friend and who was in the Peace Corps at that time, and she needed cash. And so I sent her money via Western Union. It was the only option. And the way they did it, and maybe they still do it, is there was a, a question that I had. That only The idea is that they ask her a question, and she's the only one that would know the answer to that question. And if, if she can answer it correctly, she gets the money. That's, that's how secure it was. Thankfully, we, we were in connection with our cell phones. So I told her the question and the answer. And it's a good thing I did, because when she walked into the store, the clerk said, what's the question? Luckily, she she knew what the question was. I can't imagine that's how it's supposed to work, because I imagine it's supposed to be something like, what city were you born in? And only that person would know it. But I guess that just shows that we just have a long ways to come from security standpoint. And it was, it was pretty funny, thankfully, that we were connected by email during that whole time. But had we not,
0: she obviously wouldn't have known the question nor the answer. Yes. So blockchain and cryptocurrency really solve this this issue of how you send money from one place to another independent of location quickly. Even Bitcoin, which is slow, can do it much faster than three to five days. But you're not really getting rid of the tribalism. You're not really getting rid of the fact that there's Western Union and there's Chase and then there's small banks and all these other countries and they don't know how to interact. You're not really getting rid of that when you have 50 popular cryptocurrencies. So Stellar is really trying to master this. And they're trying to do it by being this open payment network. And I know there's quite a few cryptos that say, hey, use us for payments. But Stellar is a nonprofit, which is the appropriate way to do an internet level payments protocol. But they're not doing anything else. The whole purpose of their protocol is to send An asset independent of type of asset from one person to another and so let's say your asset is good at something else not at payments and i'll I'll use the example of nodal nodal is an awesome company that sends data from iot devices to the internet and uh, and it does it using your phone and you're paid in in nodal nodal cash and so nodal cash is has a real value it's backed by the value or the cost of sending IOT and information to the internet. But nodal isn't great for payments. They're not trying to do that. What nodal's doing, even though they have their own blockchain is they're also going to have a token on stellar so that whatever that value of the, the nodal is, let's say sending the packet of information is 10 cents. If people actually want to spend that 10 cents Don't do it on Nodal. Do it on an anchor of Nodal on Stellar, which means you can take any asset, Bitcoin, any others, and you can represent them on Stellar when you want to use it for payments because that's all Stellar does. Same thing with Bitcoin. You have a Bitcoin. People love it for lots of reasons. But if you create a Bitcoin anchor on Stellar, call it Bitcoin bucks backed by a Bitcoin, now you have a payments app where you can spend Bitcoin. So, you know, I encourage whatever cryptocurrency you like to use, use it as an anchor on Stellar. And then you're really getting the best of both worlds. You're enjoying your cryptocurrency for whatever it's good at. And you're up leveling it by putting it on Stellar and using it as a payment token.
1: Yeah. And and that gets to what they're trying to accomplish. It's the internet for value. You know, it's the idea that anybody could put any kind of value through a token onto the Stellar network. You don't have to care about Lumens. You could use stick with Bitcoin and always pay in Bitcoin and use some of the features embedded in the network itself to make the path payment and deliver on the other end what the person wants, whether that's a fiat currency that's been digitized by their government or whether it's a nodal token that that is on there. It doesn't matter. It'll find the path and let the person pay with what they want and the person to receive gets whatever value they want.
0: And and just to set the context of, of how this works, let's say you have $10 and you want to send it to Mexico and you want the person to receive Mexican pesos. You digitize your $10 on a digital dollar anchor. On Stellar, you can use Anchor USD. And then that digital $10 is sold for XLM because XLM has the most liquidity. And then in a split second, the XLM is sold for digital pesos. And then at the other end, the person can take the pesos out of an ATM. And actually, the new vibrant, previously called Vega Pay app put out by the Stellar Development Foundation does exactly this. The user can use pesos and dollars and a few other currencies, and they literally never need to know what XLM is or use it at all, which is just awesome because now we're talking about a blockchain as piping as opposed to blockchain as the product. People have been saying that this blockchain needs to get behind
1: the scenes. It needs to be something that the user doesn't see. It just happens. And I think the Vibrant app does it well. There's actually some others that are starting to do that. Just the path payments feature in Stellar. We just have to design apps that are really simple, like Vibrant, that just take advantage of it and just do
0: it. I'm going to be a little cynical here. Big ecosystems like the Ethereum ecosystem, I still think, likes to put blockchain in the forefront because the majority of the users they're getting are users that just think it's super cool. And Stellar is saying it's kind of cool. Yeah, sure. But we're done with that. We want people to use it because it's useful. And again, it's their sole focus. And so it's attracting a different type of developer, a smaller, more defined group of developers. They're not looking to play with technology. They're looking to solve problems. And I think it's attracting traditional finance people, and people looking to solve problems, we're starting to move past this kind of play period.
1: I'm sure the engineers at Stellar still think blockchain is freaking awesome. But the idea, though, is the bulk of us, the people out there that are going to use their program or their protocol that they're developing, they just want it to work. When they flip a light switch on, they want the light to turn on. When they want to pay somebody, they just want the other person to get it. And most people, I would say like 95% of people out there don't care how it happens. It could be magic for all they care
0: about. They just want it to happen and they want to happen easily. Yep. Yep. And in the future, most people won't care what the other person in the transaction is holding, which is super new and interesting. So I could be holding a gold token on Stellar, an XRP token on Stellar, Bitcoin on Stellar. I wanna receive dollars and I don't care what you have. And that ability really kind of levels the playing field for all currencies. You know, Stellar is basically saying Bitcoin is cool and maybe Bitcoin is the best currency, but let's let it play out. Let's see which currency, inflationary, deflationary, gold back, let's see which currency is best. Let them compete on Stellar for the token that people hold, uh, which is really interesting because anyone can hold whatever token they want. There's no network effects, right? You can hold one and I can hold the other and it doesn't matter. I can still receive the money from you. Yeah, and
1: I think people are going to hold the one that they can use, right? So when I go to Mexico... I'm going to use pesos most most of the time, so I, I will make sure that when I go there, I will have that because that's what I will use to to buy something, to purchase food, or to go to a show or whatever I'm doing in Mexico. And when I'm in the United States, you know that the U.S. dollar is is probably what I'm going to hold, and that's going to be the cool thing. Or if I go to Europe, the, the euro is going to be the cool one. So I, I think that everything can be cool. It, it just you're, you're going to be using the one that that people accept. What is kind of curious is, is that Stellar is breaking that down a little bit in the fact that it does the path payments it might not matter what you accept. I think you raised an interesting point of what will I hold when my value can be exchanged for whatever you take and I'd never have to worry about what you accept. Well,
0: I'll leave you with a philosophical question and then we'll move on to the next topic. If I can hold Apple stock, digitized Apple stock, and I can also use it to pay, well, then stocks take on properties like cryptos, right? You wouldn't just value Apple stock based on their profits, you'd value them based on who accepts them. Just the way people value Bitcoin based on who else uses Bitcoin. So when every single asset is 100% liquid, how do you value assets? I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of a crazy, crazy concept. It is a crazy concept. Yeah, like, like liquidating
1: like a stock to, you know, buy a beer. That's, uh, I love it. I,
0: I, I can't wait to see us get there. Well, Daniel, why hasn't it taken off in the U.S.? Why hasn't this taken hold, this internet-level protocol, Stellar, for digital representation of any assets? What's keeping it from taking off?
1: I think we're getting there with the idea of being really easy for people to hold lumens or hold the asset itself it's becoming easier to buy it with fiat so i think that's one hurdle that's happened uh two it's become easier to have a wallet there's a lot of different wallet options and a lot that are really simple so i think we're getting over them the next piece is being able to use that to buy something so when i can go into the grocery store and buy something with my cryptocurrency payment that's when people will actually start Adopting it. And same thing with a website. When it's easier to go to a website and buy a pair of shoes with my cryptocurrency, that's when that's when I think it's really going to start taking off.
0: I would agree. And I would say that paying for stuff in the U.S. is pretty easy. And so it's hard to make that transition. It's not going to be the first country where crypto really takes off as a payment tool. That's just kind of my two cents on it. I don't really buy this argument that everyone is just hodling every single token. Maybe Bitcoin people are most likely to hold and not spend. But, you know, there's 100,000 people on T-Base that received free XLM that have two options. Send it to an exchange and cash out, and they might not even be a member of exchange, or go spend it. I think that they got 50 bucks in XLM. They don't want to, you know, waste their time getting involved with an exchange. They want to spend it. So waiting for stores to start accepting crypto... And like you said, it's starting to happen. There's a few tools that just... By running public node that you've dealt with. Maybe talk a little bit about them as tools to accept crypto payments.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of them and, and these are a lot of, some of them have been around for a little bit longer, but let's talk about if I have a website, right? And I either want to accept a donation like public node does, or I do have that pair of shoes that I want to sell. It's been pretty tough for people to find a tool that lets them do that really easy until recently. So let's talk about the ones that we've used. I think one of the first ones out there that everybody heard about was to Pay. They made it easy, not necessarily to buy a pair of shoes but from my understanding is if I wrote a really nice blog or an article or if I had like a picture or something like that that I wanted to give someone access to they made it really easy to make a micropayment another one that is out there that actually public node uses is blue orions which is a subscription service so if you think about it Almost all businesses seem to be going the subscription way, like software companies, everything is going subscription, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, Adobe, you know, I mean, everything is going subscription, Microsoft, no no one's selling you something that you get forever, you actually have to subscribe to it. Music went that way, too. So... You still buy some music, but, but you know you know where I'm going. So the point is subscriptions are huge. And Blue Orion actually came up with a way to, to implement that for Stellar. Another one that we've used is Cosmic Links. That's actually really good for donations. If you have like an arbitrary amount that you want to pay, you're letting your users decide how much to pay. That's a fantastic tool. You can click on the link and it opens up a little panel on the side. And it lets you set how much you want to send to the website. And it lets you sign it with whatever wallet you have, which is actually a really neat neat tool. The most recent one that we just adopted on Public Node, CoinQuest. So they've been around for a long time. They've got some tools that are available for those that are developers, a little easier for developers to, to do. But I'm not a developer, and I wanted to integrate CoinQuest onto Public Node. They wrote a plugin on WordPress for me and for everybody. It's available to everybody now, and it's super slick. What you might not know... of all websites are made on WordPress. It wasn't until three weeks ago that they wrote this and it's really easy. You design a button, you say how much you want to charge for that button, they log it, they record it, they do everything you need to do to, to make a payment trackable and recordable for taxes. And it was super easy to do. And that wasn't available to three weeks ago.
0: That is awesome. A third of websites can now take XLM as well as any other tokenized currency on Stellar. So they could take Bitcoin if Stellar tokenized Bitcoin takes off. That is an awesome tool. And Satoshi Pay, I've been following them for a while. Such an interesting use case. And it's actually the anti-subscription model. It's the New York Times wants me to pay $10 a month it's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. But I would pay $0.30 for an article. And so Satoshi Pay lets you do that. Forget the New York Times. Imagine two guys by the name of Brian and Daniel that are trying to charge you $10 a month or $5 a month to listen to them blabber on about Stellar. You're never going to do it. But would you pay $0.20 for a single episode if maybe it came with an article or it came with some content? I would, I would pay myself. Sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. This, uh, you're kind of exposing <laughs> us, Brian. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to hypothesize
1: what people will pay
0: for this. <laughs> it is taken off in Germany, though. There's quite a few newspapers that are using Tatoshi Pay. And I really hope they do well in the U.S. I really hope that newspapers start to charge micropayments for articles. I think it will because the subscription model for media is just not working, people don't want to pay a monthly fee for media because a monthly fee is not only an amount, it's not only a bill, but it's an errand that I need to keep on my calendar that I have to keep paying this thing. So I I really like Satoshi Payne and what they're doing, but they do charge 10% but you know they integrate with Visa and they make it very easy for the user. It's a pretty mature product, but it's, it's a really good product. I do want to
1: talk about that ten percent because when I first found that they charge ten percent, I to me is like, well, is ten percent better? Like to me, that felt pretty high. I wasn't used to paying ten percent. But I talked about to, to some people at Meridian about it, and I was like, well, are they going to lower ten percent? The trick with percentages is they're big when they're applied to big numbers, but if sure. they're you know applied to a small number, ten cents, ten percent's a penny. So at that point it actually makes perfect sense. It's amazing that they can keep going at that percentage. But yeah, if, if I was going to be start charging $1,000 or even $100, wow, that starts adding up. But that's not what they're going after, right? They're going after this micropayment. So when you think about it from that standpoint, actually, the 10% is actually really
0: quite cheap. And, and you're getting value add on the technology, right? you're getting something that if a user wants to see this video or read this blog, then they need to pay. And they're giving that ability with zero or one or two lines of code. So it's Pretty value add, I think. Yeah,
1: I agree. It took me a little while just because I was thinking bigger, uh, not thinking about micropayments. Visa payment, they have a flat 25, 50 cents that they charge plus the 2%. And Satoshi Pay is just sticking with 10%, regardless of whether or not right. it's a penny or 30 cents.
0: So that leaves a big untouched area, which is we talked about it previously, going in the store, which is in person payments. The ability to being able to pay with Stellar when you walk into a store. I'm working with a group of guys on a product we're calling Lettuce, which will be exactly that, where you can pay with any asset on Stellar. And the store doesn't want XLM. They're not a crypto dude or girl. They want dollars. So you're able to pay with XLM or any tokenized currency on Stellar. And on the other end, the storekeeper receives dollars. I think it's really interesting that's why i'm working on it but what makes it unique is there's quite a few tools out there non-stellar tools for paying in person coinbase has something called coinbase merchant which is fairly popular and there's some other ones out there as well however all of those tools in the end convert your cryptocurrency to fiat and go through visa they're not accomplishing anything besides letting you spend your crypto they're not actually using the benefit of blockchain which is avoiding all fees no intermediaries and it being fast and so that's what led is going to do and we're doing it actually without the merchant ever needing a wallet the technology is so cool what we're doing is let's say you send xlm to a vendor for five dollar hot dog you send the xlm we use the anchor usd api to say, please make that digital dollars. And then path payments just does its thing and digital dollars get spit out. And then they automatically through the memo in the payment get routed to your Anchor USD custodial account. And then whenever you want, you withdraw. So we're making this really practical for merchants and we're doing something that blockchain was always supposed to do. Kill Visa. We're doing it. No intermediaries. There's going to be no Visa. And I really hope other payment solutions come out that are like this that actually use blockchain and avoid any intermediaries. I like the sound of that. You know, middle entities definitely do take fees and and actually,
1: you know, make things more expensive. If I do worry about picking fights with kind of like <laughs> the biggest gorilla in town. That one's worrisome. I think what you guys are doing is really neat in the fact that if you can find those vendors that are willing to do that, those uh, merchants or, you know, the local Food cart that's willing to sell you a hot dog and try this technology and we can you know kind of rally the
0: stellar community to go down and go get a hot dog. Mm -hmm. So we've actually found quite a few vendors that are are ready to try it out. The second part rallying the stellar community is actually the harder part because we're not looking for the super active 50 people. We're looking for the 100,000 T-base users that just have AppSellum sitting around and so trying to activate those people is tricky. But there's progress being made. It's a vibrant tool coming out, which lots of South Americans are going to use. And the great thing about the stellar here is that the more competition, competition just helps, right? So let's say there's Lobster and then there's Solar Wallet. You think, oh, they're competitors. No, actually, they're interoperable. So they actually create a bigger pie. It's as if. Samsung Pay and Apple Pay and Google Pay were all and Venmo were all interoperable so they add value to each other instead of creating silos. We're trying to make this thing happen but more competition, more stellar based apps are actually going to make it easier. You know, before the podcast Daniel we talked about the chicken and the egg problem. What comes first, you know, the users or accepting the payments, uh, you know, the liquidity or the transfers? I'm done with it. We have the egg The egg is the stellar network. We're going to crack open that shell. We're going to crack open the egg let's let a chicken out. <laughs> let it fly. <laughs> Chickens don't fly. <laughs> Chicken's in there.
1: It is in there. I know it is. I hear it's chirping. Uh, I like it. I'm, I'm excited. I too want that chicken. I want our egg to hatch. And I think it's going to. And I think we've made a lot of progress just this last year with watching the apps that are becoming available. Dollar Community Fund actually is just closed today. And I, I saw some of the best projects I've seen in probably the last couple of rounds. There's a lot of really stiff competition, which is, which is good. It shows me that the developers are getting engaged engaged. The community is growing. I do think that you're right. There's all those key base users that are out there that we got to figure out some way to tap. And I think there's probably a way to do it, but maybe with a hot dog, maybe something sweeter. I don't know, but we we just got to let it be known that, that there's a place and a vendor
0: waiting for that payment of that money that they already have. That's right. So we covered a lot of ground today, but really it's all about payments. It's all about realistic payments using blockchain as piping and getting stuff done. I'm excited about it, Daniel. I know you're excited about it. I hope our listeners have enjoyed this extra long, extra awesome podcast. To the folks out there, keep listening, keep talking, come talk to us, come share your ideas. Public Node podcasts are not about us, they're about you. We want you on it. So thanks for listening and being an active contributor. Talk to you next time.